Sunyarita, and this is Running on Optimism, the podcast for amateur runners or really anyone drawing inspiration from something or someone in their lives. Jocelyn Rivas joins me today to share her inspiring story. Seriously, Jocelyn is running on optimism embodied. Despite being born with broken bones and limited resources for therapy and rehabilitation, Jocelyn, also aptly known as Jocelyn the Warrior, is out to inspire dreamers to dream big and is well on her way to breaking two Guinness World Record titles for youngest person and youngest woman to 100 marathons and the world record for youngest Latina to 100 marathons. Welcome, Jocelyn. I'm really excited to hear more of your story and get into this huge goal you have set for yourself. So let's start at the beginning. When did you start running? Yeah, I mean, if I was to look back, where it all began was um, basically going to the LA Marathon, the 2013 LA Marathon, and watching a lot of people run from different ages, kids, adults, you know, seniors, everyone running. And I just reflected back and I asked myself, why am I not out there? Why? And basically that's the thing that inspired me, seeing everyone, there was kids that were like 12 years old running a marathon. And obviously by that time I had only run one mile and that was for PE class. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so I decided, you know what? Uh, I got inspired by them and I started running with Students Run LA, which is a program here in LA. Uh, basically for like low-income students for them to basically they pay for your races give you shoes and basically help you train for the LA marathon that's amazing so were you at the marathon uh, cheering someone on or you were just there because you were in the heart of it no I was cheering someone on Uh, yeah I was cheering a friend on and I mean I had never even seen this friend run okay I just went to support that was it yeah, so you didn't even, had your friend told you what marathon training entailed or anything? Like, did you even know what to expect? Or was it I just... I mean, um, I knew they were, yeah, I knew they were running like a long distance. I mean, I didn't know exactly how much. I just knew they were running like for a very long time. And I do remember them like talking about it, like, oh my God, I did so many miles today. I did so many miles. And I'm just like, yeah, I could never. Oh, that's so, you know, that's so funny that... I could never, right? That's pretty incredible considering all you've done. But I think that's kind of what happens to a lot of people or, you know, people joke, they're like, oh, well, I'm only going to run if I'm being chased by a lion. (laughs) So before that, you'd never run before. And you just, did you just love the the feeling? Were Were you amazed by what these people were doing with their bodies? what kind of inspired that aside from watching the LA marathon what kind of lit that fire I think um you know since I was a kid my mom has always told me like oh don't do so many activities um I was born with a broken back neck and feet and so that was her way of protecting me in a way like oh don't put yourself in trouble there's no need for you to do exercise in a way or do sports like there's no reason for you to you know hurt yourself and I was always in that kind of like mentality um I had tryout for the basketball team and I liked it but I just yeah it's just uh at the end I just found out it wasn't for me you know but um and and it was a one that was kind of safe to play you know basketball for me I felt like it was safe and my mom also thought to uh thought so too um but later on I just realized you know what um I I don't know it was something in me like 
I cannot let fear beat me down to it, you know? It was always about fear, about getting hurt. And I guess throughout the years, I just got a bit tired of that. And I was just like, you know what? I want to do this. I don't, I don't care how I was born. I don't care. I just want to do it, you know? And I told my mom and she told me, oh, you can't do it. And then I was like, what? You? <laughs> I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, you can't do it. And she's like, you know, the way you were born, uh, you're going to hurt yourself. Who knows? It might even get worse. Um, and what she means by worse is I still feel a lot of pain uh, in my back and neck, most of all. And so that's what she was worried about for me being in more pain. Uh, but I was just like, you know what? I just want to do this. So I did it. And although I didn't have her approval, um, you know, I was able to sign up because um, normally they need to sign papers. So mm -hmm. I just gave her the papers. Oh, mom, here, you got to sign these papers. <laughs> so she just signed the papers without knowing what she was signing. I didn't tell her. I was just like, yeah, I'm like, I'm in. So you just handed her the papers? Like, did you like make up some excuse? This is for school or are you just like, here, mommy, this is you need to sign these. OK, bye. <laughs> It was, I mean, it was just like, oh, mom, these are some papers you got to sign, school papers, you know? <laughs> I would say, and the thing is that I didn't just give her the ones for, like, students when I lay. I gave her other ones as well. I had two other ones I that she had see. to sign. So I guess she just saw, oh, a bunch of papers and just signed them. Tell me a little bit more about what your, your diagnosis and prognosis was as a child. Yeah, so basically, I mean, I didn't know myself. I didn't know until I was eight years old. Okay. I just always dealt with a lot of pain and I just thought I was normal. I really thought I was normal as a kid. I was like, why is my back always hurting? You know? Yeah. Um, and then um, my mom would talk about it too. Like, Oh, she has back pain. So I was like, Oh, it must be a normal thing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but later on, she's like, um, uh, she basically, I told her like, I'm suffering from a lot of pain. And then she's like, Oh, I think maybe it's time to tell you like you were born this way. And I was like, what? So basically she said that when she gave birth, um, she had no way of knowing that, you know, I was already coming like in a bad condition. Mm -hmm. But when I was born, they told her, um, we have some bad news. Um, your daughter was born with a broken back, neck and feet. And she's going to have to stay in for, you know, I think it was a couple months or weeks. I don't know exactly how long. And so that's what she did. And basically throughout the time um I think it was like a month and a half she was able to bring me back home and then when she brought me back home she had to always carry me with the pillow she couldn't carry me with her own arms because um it was just not part of like it was part of the therapy I was born in El Salvador so there was very little resources too so it wasn't like oh you know we can operate you we can go yeah. ahead and do this um it was very limited and my mom was very poor very poor. She actually had to go back to work, you know, um, as soon as she had me. Like, oh and so it was like something that, you know, she's like, I, gotta, I just got to deal with it. And throughout the time, my mom, she would actually have me in her workplace. She worked at, at a restaurant mm -hmm. and she made food. And basically throughout the time, um, she would just take out the pillow. So I would stop crying because I would cry with the pillow. So then I wouldn't make noise. She would take out the pillow, which was bad, essentially. Yeah. But it was just like she had me at her workplace. And with time, um, she kept taking me to therapy. And they told her, you got to put that pillow on her. 
you got to put that pill on her. If not, she's not going to be able to walk normal. She's not going to be, she's just not going to be, you know, like a normal kid. And basically my mom was like, I like, she was trying her best to, you know, and with time, I mean, she just kept doing the thing where she took out the pillow (laughs) and somehow, some way, um, I think it was like, she said a year and a half later, they told her, what did you do to her? And then she's like, why? She's fine. She's starting to heal. And it was just like a miracle because I mean, that's what my mom says. She's like, I rarely, like not rarely, but when it came to, she worked like 12, 16 hours a day. So those times she would take out the pillow Mm -hmm. and she would only put the pillow when, you know, when it was time with me and her. But yeah, I mean, I don't remember that. She's the one that remembers all those struggles and definitely I'm very thankful to her. But yeah, I mean, just by the sound of it, I'm just like, wow. And she's like, yeah, you were a miracle. She was like, I don't know how you came out to be fine. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny that you say, you know, how you don't remember it, but she does. Um, and I was telling you before we, we started recording, I remember everything from Izzy's surgery and rehab and we are very open about uh, everything that she's been through. Um, but it's really, it's really funny because just like you, she wouldn't know otherwise, um, what exactly it was. She actually, it was crazy. She has a huge scar down her, from her neck down to the middle of her back from when they did the biopsy to get a piece of the tumor out. It was last night, I think she said. My husband said something about the scar on her back and she's like, wait a minute, what scar on my back? <laughs> We're like, you have a huge scar on your back. We're like, oh my God. She's like, I do? And I was like, mama, that's where, you know, the surgeon had to go in for, for the tumor. And my husband's like, yeah, well, I guess you wouldn't like look at your back, right? But it's just a, amazing that she had no idea because she's got a, another one on her chest from when they put in the portacath for, um, for chemo. And she's like, I thought that was the scar that you guys would talk about. <laughs> no. So we, we showed her the scar and she's like, oh, wow that's cool. It's huge. <laughs> I can so see it. Yeah. It's like, that was me too. It's kind of like exciting at the same time. Cause you're yeah. like, wow, I survived that. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I, I'm, I, I can relate to that feeling where you're like, oh my God, it's huge. What? What? Yeah, but definitely. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's really, really funny. And I think for her, it was similar. The, wow, I don't remember that, but you know, I'm kind of a badass. I'm like, yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, yes, she is. So, so you signed up for the for this LA marathon, and your mom didn't know. So, how did you do training and all of that without your mom finding out, or did she eventually just have to deal with the fact that you were doing this? Yeah. So when it came to the paper signing, that was just for students with LA. So then okay. they basically gave you permission. Right. Okay they're allowed to train with us, you know? Okay. Um, so at that point I had already told her like, I was going to go for it. Um, I had to told her, Hey mom, you actually signed the papers for it, you know? Okay. Uh, so I was just, I just kept quiet. I'm just like, I'm just going to do it, you know? And I started training for the marathon essentially. And the good thing about the program is that it starts from like a 5k to a 10k mm-hmm. to a 15k, then to a, 18 miler 
once you run that 80 miler, then you qualify to run the marathon. Okay. If you don't complete that 80 miler, then you are not running the marathon. So you have to keep up with training and you have to make it past that 80 miler in order to run the LA marathon. And with training, um, I was very dedicated. My whole mindset was about proving to my mom that I could do it. That was my whole thing. That yeah. was the reason why I started running. I want to prove to her I can do it. And that was literally like the fire in me that every single time I was tired, I didn't want to go to training or I was in a lot of pain. I'm like, I got to prove her. I got to prove it to her. Yeah. So yeah, she was my motivation essentially. And, you know, I feel like many people might see it different ways, but um, I think I have the mom I deserve, you know, Um, because I think if maybe she was a very, very supportive mom, who knows, maybe I would have just ran that marathon or who knows, maybe I wouldn't have ran that marathon. I just think, you know, um, everything worked out good and it was, she was my motivation. Yeah, I think that's definitely, and like we were talking before, I like um, talking to people who, who appreciate all of the things, right? So maybe other people have moms who would have supported, but you're seeing it as a mom who, who is protecting you. And I, I get it. So how old were you when you did the, when you signed up for, um, for the group? Yeah, I was 16 years old. 16. Okay. So then when you got to run the, your first marathon, how old were you? I was 17 by then. Um, the LA marathon takes place in March every year. So luckily, you know, um, by that time I was a year older, but the training was all when I was 16 and I mean, I felt like I was, I thought, you know, I'm an average age. And that's because I had that mindset that people that were like 12, 13, 14, like people in middle school, kids in middle school were doing it. So I had that mindset that I was just like, oh, part of like the average pack, you know? Yeah. And I never thought, oh, no, you're part of like the young, young people who are doing this. Like you're starting this young. I never saw it that way. So did your friends run also, or was this something that you just decided to just go for separately? Because I mean, at 16, getting up early to run, you know, an 18 miler isn't exactly what most 16 year olds are doing. Correct. Yeah. So actually, um, I am someone who's, you will consider myself a bit of a nerd, but I was in a lot of uh, extracurricular activities, our robotics, science, MESA. It was things about science, robots, um, I, computers. That was my thing. I loved it. And I always was basically that program was called First Robotics. And basically you compete in competitions. And then if you win, you go meet. Um, you basically go to the science fair in the White House. You're invited. So definitely it's a, like a big thing. And that was my whole focus, you know, helping the team in any way I could. And uh, the mentor I had, he always said something to me. He's like, it doesn't matter what you do. Just remember, do it with the purpose. Always do it with the purpose. And I remember, well, he didn't really like students going from doing like, you know, academics and also doing sports. Because he felt like, oh, you're splitting the time when yeah. you could just be really good at one thing, you know? But um, I was just like, you know what? Um, I'm going to do this. And yeah, I love robotics. I love it with everything. But I want to try something new. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if I'm not good with it. It doesn't matter. I just want to try it. I want something that's for me, you know? 
just essentially. So I did join with um, not much friends. I mean, the school was very small, so I knew some people that were part of the team already, but it was mainly for me. It wasn't because I wanted to be with my friends or I wanted to spend time with certain people. No, it was just I I wanted to do it. And what an incredible confidence to try something and know that it's possible that it might not be what you expect. It might, it might not, like you said, you might not be very good at it, but you're doing it for yourself. Is that still the mentality that you go in now that you're challenging yourself like way more than that first marathon? Uh, I think it depends on the race itself. Sometimes it depends on the race. Like um, sometimes it's all about completing it. Mm-hmm. Other times it's like, how much can you push it? How much can you go further? Uh, can you get first place in your age group? Can you not? <laughs> but uh, it depends on the race, obviously. I think uh, some are really, really hard when it's super hot and it's hilly. Those are very difficult, but um, some of them are just like, you know what, just enjoy the race. Uh, it's all about completing it. Um, don't worry about anything else. You're not competing with no one else but yourself. And even though like I continue doing a marathon after marathon, it's still, I still get super nervous, super nervous. It's like this, if anything, I think I realized that I got in a lot more nervous than anything. It's like, I feel like a lot more pressure. It's like, and I, the thing is, I guess I am so scared to DNF because I have not DNF a race yet. And I think once I do, I'm sure at some point it's going to happen. And I think that I'm not ready for that to happen. <laughs> so it's a lot of, you know, nervous. It's like, oh my God, you're going to finish. And many people think, oh my God, by now you already know 100% you're going to finish the race. But no, that's not, that's not it. There's so many things can happen, right? Um, yeah. Like you may think you have your nutrition, but who, nutrition, right? And everything. So many things can happen. But I think that two things I was just thinking to have yourself mentally prepared for a potential DNF, I think kind of in a way sets you up for success when you're looking at your long-term goal, right? And kind of being like, okay, this is in this journey, this is very possible. And we're going to figure out how to get to, to the ultimate goal. And the second thing is, do you find that you're getting more nervous the closer you are? Because you just completed 85 and 86, right? I just completed 86. 86. Uh, the, yeah, when was it? Sunday, this past Sunday. 86. Okay. And last week I had completed 85 and 84. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So are you getting more nervous the, the closer you get? Yeah, super nervous. Super. And I'm, I don't even know what it is. I'm getting a lot more nervous. And yeah, I don't even know how to control it. But I think that's just because um, I know I'm getting closer, you know, to the yeah. end. Not to the end, because I feel like I'm going to continue running. I'm going to continue doing this. But it's more like towards the end of that goal of that journey. Yeah. So now we we kind of alluded to it. Tell us about this Guinness Book of World Record that you're trying, that you're chasing. How did you come across it? And what made you decide, hey, that's going to be me? Because that's amazing. How do you come up with that? So I actually happened to be, I, I mean, I, I'm in social media, so I'm always looking at stuff, runners, and I just happened to see, like, one where it was just, like, people were running, like, 200 marathons in a year, 100 marathons, and I was like, how is that possible, and I was just like, you know what, um, I can't do that, 
it's not for me. And I just skipped it, you know? And then I happened to see the title where it said, oh, youngest Latina 200 marathons. And I was just like, skip it, you know? Like, okay, that's cool. That's inspiring in a way. Like, but, you know, mm-hmm. you know how to do that. And later on, um, it happened that it was in 2017 when basically I'm a dreamer. So in a way, it was kind of like saying that there's a chance of me being deported mm-hmm. because I'm a dreamer. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was just like, I cannot believe all my hard work is gone, you know, if I get deported. And I was just like, you know what? I got to do something. I want to make a statement. I want to do something. And then that's when it clicked to me. Like, I remember seeing that youngest Latina to 100 marathons. And I was just like, I think I could do it. I think I could push my body to do it. And obviously with time, I, well, I started doing it. And in 2019, in fall, I think it was like, yeah, I think it was like around September, I was informed that I was actually in pace to become the youngest person to run 100 marathons, the Guinness, the Guinness World Record mm-hmm. holder for that. And the Guinness World Record holder for becoming the youngest person to run 100 marathons. Um, I was informed by the Guinness World Record, and I was just like, what? Two more? Even better. No, but uh, <laughs> I def- that, those were not in my plans. By then, I had already done, like, I think 40-something marathons, and those were not, those titles were not even part of the, my plan. My plan was just Youngest Latina 200 marathons, and that was just to prove, like, you know what? Dreamers are here to do something good in the community, in the society, and it was more like, I guess for me, myself, I wanted to also feel that, you know, I guess I was worth being here, you know, like there was something else besides my career, besides, you know, going to school, there was something else as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, first of all, that's inspiring. Um, I can't imagine not knowing whether the one place that you remember, the one place that you call home, because like you said before, you don't remember in El Salvador, like when you had your surgery, when you had, you know, when you were going through all that, your mom remembers, but you don't, this is the one place you've ever called home. I can't imagine um, the idea of having to let that go. Yeah, I feel, I mean, like for me, myself, I feel American, but I know I'm not American, but I'm just like, this is my home. You know, I do not see myself anywhere else. Yeah, you know, that's such an interesting thing to say. Um, It it is a sort of identity crisis. And what does it really mean to be American? Um, Does it mean that you pursue lofty dreams, right? Like being the youngest to 100 marathons, you know, that kind of embodies what it means to be American, right? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, for me, um, I do remember some parts of El Salvador. And I mean, I remember a lot, but I mean, me personally, like maybe from one to three, I don't remember anything. But Mm -hmm. I remember from three to five and a half. I remember those years. But um, it's definitely, you know, um, I just think that, you know, I don't see myself nowhere else. And, you know, what they say, like when they have that sign where it's like, home is here that that's how I feel this is my home and I think um 
you know, with this whole 100 marathons, um, I'm also showing other people, other dreamers as well, that they can go after their dreams, they can share their dreams, and they can accomplish it as well. I haven't accomplished mine yet, but I'm getting there little by little. And I think it's just for them to also see that, you know what, there's no limits to what you can do here. Um, essentially, you could be anything, you could do anything, and there's just no limits. And I think um, with that whole 100 marathons, running every marathon i just got into that mindset more the more i run the more opportunities i see the more i run the more things i like more doors open up to and i just think that it's just that mindset you know like you gotta be in that mindset that you know everything's gonna work out for you and but you do have to work a lot to get there yeah and it's like your your robotics men mentor said whatever you do do it with purpose Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's you perfect. Know, funny thing because uh, sometimes we were walking and we were like walking slow and he's like, do everything with the purpose. Like he was screaming at us, do everything with the purpose. And so what he meant, like walk with the purpose, you know, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like, walk fierce, walk confident. Don't. And so I guess, you know, that's something that stayed with me. That's wonderful to have that kind of mentor too. I like that. Do everything with a purpose. Walk with a purpose. Everything. I love that. Definitely going to pass that on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so by 2017, so you ran your first marathon then in 2013 or 2014? It was 2014 at the LA Marathon. That was my first one. So by 2017, you'd run 40 marathons already? I believe, uh, by 20, uh, what year did you say? 2017? Yeah. No, by then I think I had already done, I had only done few. I only done, I think, um, the first year I only did one marathon. The second year I did three, I think two, and then I went to three. Uh, I think I had only done six, no, I, I think I had only done very few, like six or seven of them. And when 2017 came by, that's when I did, I believe I did six or 12. And then, so basically I just multiplied by double. So six, uh -huh. 12. 24 and then I was supposed to do 52 in 2020 mm -hmm. to complete the 100 marathons yeah but you know COVID yeah. happened and I was not able to get to that goal but I was able to get half of those done okay okay so how did you decide at the beginning so obviously you, you'd done the LA marathon how did you decide to do other marathons or more than one marathon in a year and what did you decide on marathons that were closest to you yeah, so I think uh, one thing I always say is the running community are the people who inspire me. All the people I have met, they are going after different goals. There's people going after like as much half marathons as they can get, uh, how fast can they get, um, basically things like that. And I met this uh, one person, uh, her name is Julie. And I remember hearing her story where she ran like 52 marathons in 52 weeks. And that's essentially running a marathon every week for a whole year. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. And I met her and she was super sweet. And later on, I asked her a few questions, like, how do you do it? How did you do it? And I think that she was like the female version of me seeing that a female body could do it. Mm -hmm. I had already known a lot of, you know, men who could do it. 
I have many friends that, you know, are marathon maniacs and they just do marathon after marathon, mm -hmm. but I had never seen or met a woman who had done this essentially. And I think she was the one that gave me like that possibility of saying, oh, wow, you could actually run more than one marathon in a year or more than <laughs> one marathon in a month or so. And she was basically that pioneer of me seeing like the possibilities for a woman. And with time, I was just like, you know what? Um, I know there's a lot of marathons in California. I actually researched about California and California has the most marathons out of any other state. Really? So I was, yeah, that, I was like, it had 35 marathons in a year, I believe. And oh. yeah, I mean, for 55, I mean, 52 weeks out of 35, there's marathons. Yeah. I was just like, wow, that's pretty good. And so I decided just to stay in California. I wanted to do all the ones in California. But later on, I realized, you know what, there were some weekends where I didn't have anything in California. So I was like, I need to get out of California. And I would just go to like, you know, the West, West Coast, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Nevada. That was it. Those were my other states. Nothing okay. else after. But then COVID happened and I was like, I can't stay in California because there's no marathons in California. There's no marathons in the West Coast, literally nothing. And I was like, I need to continue my journey. And that's when I started driving to other states to start completing the marathons. Okay, so what's the furthest you've gone so far? Uh, Rhode Island, I think that's the oh. furthest. Rhode oh. Island, yeah. I mean, I don't know if Florida would be further or Rhode Island. Um, I think probably Rhode Island. Rhode Island, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So the marathon that I'm training for is the New Jersey Marathon. That what one is in October 17th. October 17th. I want to see if I, if I don't have one. If that would go. <laughs> that would be so awesome. I would love that. No, I mean, yeah, I'm interested. I have actually one. I was going to do one in New Jersey, but um, I decided to go to Texas instead. Yeah. But yeah, I, wow. I did not know that. I'm going to see if I have a slot for October 17, right? Yep. Okay. Who knows? I might be there. And it's it, that would be so wonderful. That would be so awesome. Um, you know, for me right now, I don't know how the stress fracture is going. So I am going to go try for the marathon if I heal. If not, I think I can at least do the half. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's as long as you show up and, you know, you do a race, you know, yeah. that's yeah. it. You enjoy yourself. And, you know, I think that's the biggest thing, challenging yourself and also enjoying yourself. Yeah. And I imagine how, how, after all this time, you've just, you've completed 86 total marathons. How do you keep that mentality through all of them? Is there ever a time when you don't feel like training or you're getting up early for a race and you're like, oh, why am I doing this? You know, during my, probably like around my twenties, like marathon twenties to thirties, that was, I was in that dark mentality. Like, oh my God, Jocelyn, why are you signing up for this? What made you think to do this? What is going on with you? Like no one's forcing you to do this. Why are you doing it? And my why was I want to inspire people, you know? I want to inspire people. And most importantly, I think is for them to see that, you know, nothing is impossible, nothing. Like just me, myself, is like, I'm like a testament. Like, you know, nothing is impossible. Even if you think it's, you know, impossible but everything is possible and I think it's more about inspiring other people to also challenge themselves 
for them to see that if you think something's not possible, I, I mean, there's many things that have come up in my journey where I'm just like, there's no way I can do it. There's just no way. And I end up finishing the marathon. Yeah. Or sometimes it's like, you know what? I missed my flight. How am I going to get there? There's just no way. I end up at the race somehow, some way. Sometimes Wait, has, it's just, yeah. That's happened? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just recently happened for the one in, it was 84 and 85 previous mm -hmm. weeks. Um, I went to the airport. I got to work like around 530. Mm -hmm. And my flight was, at, I think, uh, I think it was like around eight. And so traffic was a bit, it was Memorial weekend. Oh. And oh my gosh, so many people in the airport. Uh, everyone's back in the airport. And I ended up missing my flight by a minute. And that was the last flight for the night. And I was just like, I'm not going to make it. There it goes. There it goes two marathons. I'm not going to make it. And then I was just like, look at the possibilities of what you can actually do. Look at those possibilities. And so I started searching up on my phone. Is there any flight, even though this is the last one for tonight, maybe there's a flight tomorrow that's going to get there before the race start. Oh my God. The race start was at six in the morning. So that's not even like, yeah, you know, and, and Texas is two hours ahead of LA. Yeah. So it's not like I'm even like making it better. So it was like a worst case scenario. And I happened to find one. It was uh, 1230 in the morning, midnight, basically. And it was going to get there at 535, 25 minutes before the race start. <laughs> and the airport wasn't close by. It was like still like roughly 15 to 20 minutes away. So essentially, you only have five, 10 minutes to get off the airport, you know, get on an Uber, get to the race and start running. Like, how am I going to do all of that in 25 minutes? And I was just like, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. There's a reason why I missed that flight. I'm going to let that go. I need to let that go in order to move forward. And that's what I did. And now it was all about thinking forward. How am I going to do this? So I went to change in the restroom while I was waiting for the other flight. Uh, I was basically ready to run already, but I put other like cover-ups, jacket and stuff. And I got to the airport. Uh, I mean, I was already at the airport and I ate. There was nothing I could eat. I'm a vegan, so it's even harder for me to eat at the airport. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was just like, what's going on here? And essentially, um, I hadn't even slept the previous night. I had only slept like two hours the previous night or three because I was working on another project. And on the flight, I was like, get as much sleep as you can get. And the flight was only like three hours, I believe, or two hours and a half or so. And I got two hours and a half of sleep and I got to the airport. I got an Uber. I literally, oh, I went to the restroom very quickly um, just to, you know, put water mm -hmm. in my face. and. Yeah, I got to the race start like five minutes late. Oh, oh really? Late, literally. And I had already messaged uh, the race director. And uh, yeah, as long as you get here like in less than 15 minutes, because they can only leave it open for 15 minutes. Yeah. And I showed up and I just took my jacket off and I was ready to go. I put my bib on and they already had my bib ready. I put my bib and I just started running. No warm up, no nothing. Oh, and gosh. yeah, it was difficult it was yeah. difficult but it would look it wasn't impossible <laughs> yeah <laughs> talk about running on optimism oh my gosh 
Oh my gosh. So how did that, how did the race feel? How did it go? I mean, oh, with my so legs, many obstacles. Yeah. I how, think my legs were... I had just gotten off the yeah. airport, like the, out of the airport. And I was just like, my legs were just like so heavy. They felt so heavy. And I mean, I just kept pushing it. And obviously it's all, in the beginning, it was like, pace yourself, pace yourself, pace yourself. It doesn't matter. Just make sure that you get to that. Fin- What's the point of you going through all of this? And you're not going to get to the finish line because you're so worried of, you know, something else. Um, yeah, I just faced myself and it was, you know, it, it took me longer than expected, but um, I was able to finish. And I also had to remind myself that I was running another marathon the next day. So it was definitely about pacing myself, um, drinking a lot of water, and just, you know, enjoy it. Enjoy it with what you have. And almost a different kind of sense of accomplishment, right? To be able to have the mental fortitude to move forward and move through to again your ultimate goal right that's amazing so this so this race was both races were in texas i imagine right yeah these were, two were in texas oh where exactly it was yeah, how in far apart were they? oh they were together they were like the same race oh okay okay so i didn't travel from one to another it was the same they were doing a triple so that's what they do normally when they have a three-day weekend and mm-hmm. i normally actually sign up for the triple but this time around i knew i had another marathon coming up the next week that was difficult so I decided just to do a double so where was this last one that you just completed this past Sunday right where was that one correct this past Sunday I completed a steamboat marathon this one is in uh basically four hours and a half or four hours um from Denver Colorado okay up in the mountains it is Mm. literally like you travel four hours in car or bus just to go up the mountain so just imagine the elevation. So when I checked the high altitude, it was 8,128 feet of elevation. And I'm coming from sea level. Yeah. I honestly, I was getting to that point where I was like, should I even go? Am I even going to complete this marathon? I am still recovering from my two last marathons. I hadn't even gotten like, I think I had only gotten like, three days of recovery and then I had to do like a practice run for it just to see how my body was feeling and I was feeling like I couldn't breathe my legs were heavy and that's because my body was still recovering Uh and I guess I almost let that get to me like oh my god you're doing so awful and this marathon has a time limit of five hours and 30 minutes how are you gonna make it if you're still recovering so normally like when I'm recovering I normally take maybe the following week off when I done like two marathons and I had never done this where I run two marathons and then I run another marathon the following week so it was something new yeah and definitely I was just like you know what Jocelyn um you just give it a shot go out there you try your best and just stay with that you try your best and if you don't make it or if something happens where you know that elevation gets to you or you know just try your best, go out there and see what you can do. And that's what I did. Yeah. And you got your 86 under your belt. I know. I'm so thankful. And yeah. high elevation too. Yeah. It was definitely an achievement to complete the steamboat marathon. It was, I think it's one of those like top achievements because yeah. I had never run in such high elevation and I didn't have like a lot of time. I normally travel like on a Friday night. 
So then I get used to like the air and everything. But I traveled there and got there until like 3 p.m. on Saturday. And most of that time I spent it on the bus. And by the time I got to Simbo, it was like 7.30. And I just went to eat dinner and then I went to sleep. So really there wasn't no time for me to like breathe in the air, get used to the elevation. Yeah. And yeah, race morning came in. I got there to the race star. They took us in a bus. And it was, I mean, it's beautiful up there. So beautiful. And yeah. I think um, I was still scared. It was the first mile and I was just like, am I even going to finish this? And the crazy thing is that it has a lot of uphills, this course. Even though it's a downhill marathon, yeah. like you're running down the mountain, it okay. has a lot of uphills. And I had never ran so many hills. <laughs> so I think that's the reason why it, it's up there as one of my biggest yeah. achievements. Because I'm just like, I did that while still recovering in a way. Well, still rec- I mean, you've had like a busy couple of weeks and I'll tell you, you don't look tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am tired. Uh, yeah. <laughs> after I finish this, I am going to bed. Not yeah. To- yeah. <laughs> so what, um, what's your, what's your next marathon then? When wow. 87? 87. You, you know what? It's funny. Every single time I do something where like an interview or something, mm-hmm. they always ask me, what is your next marathon? And I always tell them, I don't know. I actually don't know what my next marathon is. Um, so with COVID and everything, it gave me, it put me in that mindset where I have to wait two weeks prior mm-hmm. to the race happening to know, oh, is this even going to happen? Because the thing is that sometimes they go ahead and make these races and they have to change the course because of something with the city. The city didn't give them the certain permit for this part of the race. So they have to change the course. And if they change the course, then that course is no longer USCF certified, which means it doesn't qualify for the Guinness World Record. So it's like a lot of you're spending time on travels, on the race, and then just to find out that the race you're going to run is no longer certified and it's no longer going to count is a bit difficult. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I normally just wait it out two weeks prior. Um, But yeah, this upcoming weekend, I have no marathon. Okay. Uh, I'm deciding to take a week off to recover. Yeah. I'm like, I want to be strong. I want to be ready for my next one. And I think my biggest thing is I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy this journey as much as I can. And I know it's going to be hard to enjoy it if I'm injured or if I'm not feeling as good as I can. So I prefer to, you know, yeah, give myself this week off. So then the next one I'm better and I'm feeling a lot stronger. So how do you how do you train and maintain that kind of balance between training and being ready and fatigue? So it's very different than most marathoners. Mm-hmm. Most marathoners have that training plan like for four to six months. They're training for that one marathon. And since I'm running a marathon, like not almost now, it's like almost every weekend or so. Sometimes I get a week off. Sometimes I don't. Um, it's mainly about recovery for me. Uh, so I run the, like, like, let's say this weekend, I ran the Simbo Marathon, 26.2 miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, well, t- Monday, you just walk. I just walk a lot. Make sure to walk like five, five to eight miles. Okay. Just walk, just to make it all go away. And on Tuesday, um, recovering cell, don't do anything. That's just like my rest day. Just okay. don't do anything. 
Um, and then once it comes in and that's when I normally go for like a three mile run, then Thursday comes again and I go for maybe a three to five mile run just to test out my legs again. And then Friday comes in and I do some strength work and then Saturday comes in and I'm normally flying. So that's normally just walking okay. around and getting myself, you know, walking. Um, but yeah, I, as you can see, I do very small amount of miles in between and that's just because before I was doing a lot of miles I was training like if I was like I was doing literally like eight to like sometimes I was doing on a Monday eight miles 10 miles on a Wednesday then you know it was like a normal schedule nine miles on a Friday but I was getting up like I was getting really injured okay and I I guess I I mean I realized myself like you know what I can't continue with this training if I'm going to be running every weekend. It's just a lot for my body. So I decided, you know what, if you're going to do 26.2 miles, you're going to have very small amount of miles in between. And if you do have a week off, then you can go ahead and increase Mm -hmm. it back again. But uh, it's just based on that. It's like, if I know I'm going to have a race, then just take it slow. If I know I'm not going to have a race, okay, go out. (laughs) Go do whatever. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah. takes a lot of discipline to, I mean, and enough races to, for you to know your body. When you started training, did you have a coach or did you have someone or did you kind of figure it out on your own? Uh, when I did start, I started with Students in LA and they provide mm-hmm. you with the coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically that person has already certain years of, you know, being a mentor for that program and they already have knowledge and I essentially they're also kind of like the messenger at the same time because students when LA has a like a training plan for every student for beginners advanced and intermediate and basically um that's how I started my training with students when LA I learned how they train then the second year came around same coaches and even better you know because you were feeling a lot more confident and it's funny because I memorized that training plan <laughs> but it was just so I got so used to it you know uh but after my first two years i stopped um having a coach Mm -hmm. and i think that was just because i my third year i wasn't fully you know oh running a lot it was more like it was just like oh i think i only did one marathon okay i think that year i forgot how many but it wasn't really like i was training for them as much um but yeah um now i i basically um my my thing is people sometimes come and offer me trainings and I welcome it. I'm like, okay, go right ahead. I'm, I'm here for your, like, if you want to give me an advice or anything, but I don't really have 100% one trainer. And I think I depend more on people who have actually ran marathons back to back than anything, because I feel like they are the ones who know more about it. They're the ones who have gone through it. And so I depend on basically the people who have gone through this. One of them is Julie, as I had mentioned, Julie Weiss. Um, yeah, I tell her, and her husband is actually a coach. So sometimes whenever like I'm feeling like, am I taking it? Maybe I'm doing too little miles. Then I reach out to him and then he helps me out. Like, no, you're doing fine. Um, yeah, so he was actually able to help her um, with her 52 marathons in 52 weeks. And so sometimes whenever I need help, then, you know, I reach out to him. Yeah. Cause you're right. It, this is a completely different kind of 
training form. Um, you know, it's not, and I'm sure, I mean, I've heard of a lot of people doing these like crazy, not crazy, but like very, um, big lofty goals of running so many marathons. Um, but I can't imagine that it's a huge community either. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, there was this one point where I did get a coach and that coach was making me run six days in a week while still running the 26.2. And then I think that's when I realized I can't do the regular training. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's just no way for me. And that's when I realized, you know what, I need to rely on the people I know on the running community, people who have gone through this. And those people have also had coaches too, to help them out. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think for me, uh, it's more about the running community, getting help from them, from people who have gone through it. Even though it's small, you might think it's small. Oh my God, it's actually pretty big. Yeah. I guess for me, like through COVID, I kept running marathons and marathons and you keep seeing the same people again and again and again. And one of the things that have inspired me a lot is I met so many runners who will do this challenge where it's like, 20 marathons in 20 days or like 15 marathons in 15 days and I'm just like what yeah it's amazing yeah so one of our favorite things to do um, my husband and I is to watch running documentaries on Amazon and that's how like we kind of came across that people are doing this stuff or like people who run a marathon on each continent including Antarctica like those kinds of things and actually a documentary on Amazon and it's a woman she's a vegan and she challenged herself to run a marathon in the in the desert in Africa I don't know if you've heard of this marathon it's a really incredible documentary so this woman runs um, to support veganism oh running for good that's the name of the uh, the um, the documentary it's on Amazon Running for good? What? Yeah, yeah. She oh was super my god! I mean, wow, that's just inspiring. Wow, what she's doing, her whole message. Wow, I had no idea, no idea. And I'm always searching a vegan athlete, so I had no idea about that. How how is veganism and training, or is it just like it's really not a big deal? Uh, I think for me, I do make it a big deal. I'm uh -huh. just like. I think for me personally, um, I think just because I never thought I would go vegan, I had, so growing up, I always had my best friend who was vegan, mm -hmm. but I was like, I could never do that. Here I go again with that. Yeah. I, could never, I should never say that. <laughs> Basically, I should never say, oh, I would never. At the end, um, I actually ended up turning vegan after watching, well, I had already in mindset I was going to go vegan once uh, Game Changers was going to come out uh, the movie. Yeah. So uh, previously before that, I had done three months of just veganism. Mm -hmm. And I did it. It was no problem at all. Um, I mean, it was it was a bit hard. But uh, in a sense, that it was no problem that I knew that you could live off that way. And I think um, the biggest thing for me, it was really hard to... I think, so I developed gastrointestinal disorder. Mm -hmm. So basically that means I can drink alcohol a lot. 
I can eat beans, and beans is the main what? source of protein. I mean, as a vegan, you're eating tofu, lentils, so many different proteins. Um, but beans was the one I ate every day, and that's the reason yeah. why I found it easy in a bit for me because I ate beans all the time. I love beans, and I literally love beans, and it sucks that I can't eat beans now. And yeah, I developed them uh, throughout time. And I think that was just because my body was in so much stress from all the gels that I was eating, everything. Um, I mean, gastrointestinal disorder is developed by stress, the things that you eat. And yeah, I think, um, I mean, it, it sucks that I can't eat beans, but yeah. um, I learned to love tofu. And yeah. now I can live without tofu. But tofu is also like, you know, it's made out of soy. But it doesn't, it's processed, so it, it doesn't affect me as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, this whole thing about being vegan, it's more like to prove like, you know what, um, if you want to be the best athlete, there's no need for you to, you know, I mean, you could do it with me or without it. You know, yeah. you decide what you want to do. And I'm not that kind of person who's going to say, oh, you should go vegan. That's not me. I mean, you do you you do what's best for you. And I just know that what's best for me is being a vegan because I went from, you know, having to wait four or five days to recover from a marathon to now, literally, I wake up the next day and I'm okay. Like right now, I'm okay. I'm walking normal. While before when I was not a vegan, I would take four to five days to recover. I was sore. I was in pain. And I think that was my biggest reason when I started this 100 marathon um in the beginning I wasn't vegan I think it was until marathon 30 oh wow 35 that I turned vegan so I mean yeah I think that's the biggest difference for me I just saw how much difference like it took in my body where I was just like recovering way quicker and I actually said I'm only gonna go vegan until I finish my 100 marathon I'm just gonna be vegan until 100 marathon after that I'm going to go back and I'm going to eat everything. Shrimp shrimp is my favorite food. So <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I'm going to go back and eat my shrimps. And now I just don't see myself going back. After. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just don't see myself. I'm just like, yeah. I actually recently came out in a vegan magazine. And I think I was just like, oh, my goodness, I made it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but I'm just like, I think, uh, yeah, now I just don't see myself going back and I, I'm not that person who's gonna say go vegan you know it's just like you do yeah. you and I just know what makes me happy and you know yeah so it. now I mean because now there's a lot of like fueling choices that that are vegan or like gluten-free or, or anything you haven't had any like a hard time finding how to do like race fueling now that you're vegan right there's so many choices uh the okay well it's actually, it's been hard for me actually oh. getting fuel because of the gastrointestinal disorder I have. Okay, yeah. Because I can't eat gels. Yeah, yeah. So there's this one thing with my body where if I do eat a gel, I have to change it. Like I can't be eating the same flavor. And if I'm eating the same flavor, uh, just know that in a cup, in a month, my body's no longer going to take that. It's not no longer. And the pain I get while running is like basically where I can't even move. So it's a whole different challenge. So yeah. what I used to do, I mean, sometimes where I'm gotten to that point where I can't find a gel and I just know I need fuel, then I just get mashed potatoes. 
So I just get potatoes, boil it, mash it, sweet potato, baby food, and that works. Yeah, I know a lot of people that do like the, the Gerber, the bananas. So I yeah. actually can't eat bananas either too. <laughs> oh, you know, I can't eat bananas either. It gives me horrible, horrible, like, ga- like right at, at, like, my mom calls it la boca del estomago. Yeah, like right exactly here. there. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly where I get the pain. And it's just because of it. Yeah, I can't. It's funny because I can't eat a lot. Oh, and pasta too. Pasta gives me sometimes a lot. It depends on the pasta I eat. If okay. it's spaghetti, spaghetti is the one that I can't take. Okay. It's like very you know, I, I think they call it skinny spaghetti or very uh-huh. like thin. I could eat that one. Okay. Wow. Well, yeah. Right. It's like so many restrictions. I think um, I'm telling you, I feel like there has been so many obstacles in my journey where it's like, you don't even have the proper food now to like, you don't even have the proper things to yeah. eat. Like you can't be like any other runner, just getting your gels and eating them. And I do consume gels. Um, but I just have to switch it every so often. So like previously, um, for the past three months, I was taking Cliff and I was fine. Now I can't take Cliff. Wow. So, take anymore. so now I have to switch to a new gel or a new basically method of fuel. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, um, that's a really good idea to just do like the potatoes too, right? Because it's, it's natural, you know, what's in it and it might yeah. slow you down a little bit though, right? Because that's why people like the gels and the goos and stuff, because you just kind of take it while you're going. So with the potatoes and stuff, I imagine, do you have to stop and kind of spoon it in, or do you just... (laughs) So I put it in a little small bag, and I actually just make a little hole, and, you know, I just eat it like that. All right. And with my tea, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. And I think the only thing is that it does take longer for you to get that energy source, or Mm -hmm. at least to basically get going you know unlike the gels it's like oh in a couple minutes you're good to go you're back with your full energy so then do you have to plan to take it before you feel like you're you need it yeah definitely yeah I take it even before I need it and um I take other products too like pickle uh pickle juice I take different products too and um yeah there's like different brands I take and honestly it'll (laughs) If you were ever to see me like getting ready for a race, I have this one thing where I just carry everything around me and you just see everything, whatever you need, I have it. <laughs> Literally, that's just me, you know, but um, it, it was, it's what gets me through the race. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I think that's the thing. Again, going back to it's your own race and everybody's, everybody's body responds differently. Like my husband and I, we, um, we were running together. We'd like pick each other's brains on running, but he's an athlete. Like he just, he's naturally athletic. He's actually um, going for a Boston qualifier at the wow. New Jersey marathon. That's his. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's big. Wow. That's good though. That is so good. Wow. How is he feeling so far with training? Not good. Um, oh. This week, this week has been kind of off with work and, and we've got the puppy we were actually just talking today. We were out running errands and we were like, okay, just take this week off. Let's regroup. Let's talk this weekend. What, what our weeks are going to look like, especially cause Izzy's almost done with school. So then it's just going to be like that much more time and work is starting to get a busier for him. Um, cause with COVID he could have all of these goals and stuff cause he was home and working a lot more from home. And now he's, he's going into the office more, but, um, 
but I think he'll do it. I think he's got a really, really good base. Um, it's just a matter of throwing down a little bit more speed, doing more of those like speed workouts. But I always say, I feel like I'm more excited about it, about it than he is. <laughs> I think maybe cause he's putting all the work and he's like, Oh man, yeah. it's a lot of work. But you know, I always find it very fascinating how people can have like their own lives. Like, you know, they're working, like they're working their 40 hours or plus and they're still doing their training and they're still doing the races in the weekend. It's like, it's crazy how, you know, you could do all of that in the little time that you have. But it's basically yeah. how bad do you want it? It gives you like that sense, like, yeah. That's exactly what I was about to say. Um, it's, if it's important to you, you'll find a way to get it done. And for both of us, it's always about inspiring Izzy to, to just push, you know? Maybe not the same goals, but whatever it is she decides she wants to put her mind to, push and, and yeah. do it. Yeah, I mean, you said it. Yeah, yeah. And he, um, and, and as parents, I think, especially parents who, uh, parents in general, but in our case too, with the added responsibility of a child with special needs, um, you have to find something that you love. Find something, like you said, that's for you yeah it's for her, but think, it's also for us yeah and I think it gives you that sense of peace too and it's somewhere where you could go and be yourself and I don't know I find it for me running I find it like a place of I feel for me personally running just makes me feel confident powerful not powerful in that sense like my body just ran so many miles my body just did this and I think running just gives me, the, it gives you that confidence to just see yourself for who you are and see how much potential you have and how much more you can push and how much of what you want you can be. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, before we started recording, you asked me why I started this podcast. And it's yeah. to hear from people like you who, you know, feel the same way I do. It's the power that comes from running and the power of, that comes from achieving your goals is um, a message that I just want to spread. So you had mentioned before that you deal with some, some chronic back pain. How do you manage that? Or is it just something that you, you kind of just run through? Um, I think uh, in the beginning, I wasn't used to it. When I was starting running, I was not used to the pain. And I was kind of like thinking it was normal for all runners to feel that way. Mm. And so one day I asked um, one of my, like one of my teammates who was like, I was training with, I was like, Hey, do you have some back pain after your run yeah. or like in between your run? And he's like, no. And I was like, let me ask, let me ask someone, someone else. Hey, do you have some back pain? No. And I asked everyone, does anyone have any back pain? No, no, no. And I was just like, you're kidding me. So, I mean, I hadn't even known that, but I didn't think it was going to be like that much, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it was hard getting to train for the marathon that way. But it was, um, I think it was more about like thinking about it this way. Pain is temporary. You just got to get through it, you know? And it's weird because while running, I didn't feel it so much mm -hmm. at times. But that's because I was only running like a few miles. I was only running like five miles during the week, three, eight miles, nine miles. But when it came to my long ones, that's when I started feeling it. And like a lot more, 
so basically on my short runs i would just feel it after i finish my run okay and then during my long runs i would feel it in between like mile 17 mile 16 and the pain i feel is basically like if my back is breaking like if it's something like um yeah it feels really really bad and at some point um i just have to stop yeah and just be like okay breathe in breathe out massage yourself let it go out like you know and i mean i actually i mean with covid the pain has gotten i mean it has minimized you could say and i think that's because i've been resting a lot more in bed so now Mm -hmm. i work from home so after work yeah i go exercise but then i go to bed so i think i'm giving my body a lot more rest and that's allowing me to feel less of it but yeah i feel like you know it's just something that's temporary that's how i see it you know what I'm just thankful to be alive. That's my big thing. I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful for the body I have. And I know that everything that I have gone through and everything that I'm going to go through is for a reason. And I think I'm just like very grateful, you know, for the small things in life. I'm grateful that I can rest. I'm grateful that I can run. And just being able to run, I think that's a gift, you know, a a gift that I'm always going to be thankful for. And even though I might have a little pain, it's temporary it's just a small part of your day you know and it's gonna come and it's gonna go but I think for me it's just like it's temporary you know I'm getting emotional because I think I often think about what Izzy's future holds and um you know she deals with like nerve pain um and it's a lot to watch her go through that and I wonder how what yeah what her future holds what kind of pain she's gonna be dealing with and how she's gonna get through it but I see I see a lot of her in in what you're saying I mean a lot of your mindset she already like at seven years old you know just like you at a very young age she's got an incredible mindset and I just um it makes me hopeful that she can kind of maintain that and have that same sense of gratitude for for life and kind of push through and I know she will I mean I think it's just it's funny because I think people who go through this or go through treatments at a very young age um they're fighters they were born I mean they already went through so much and they're just going to continue fighting in life and uh, I know you might be worried for her but just know that she's going to fight and she's going to prove to everyone that she's strong and I think that's one of the things that I've seen throughout time for people who have gone through things like that. Like, they just keep showing up and they just keep pushing themselves. And I mean, yeah, I I think that's inspiring itself, you know. Um, There's so many stories out there of people who have gone through things and it's like, wow. And they're still here and they're doing amazing. They're, you know, being successful. And I think it's just like, in a way, it shows you how much if you continue fighting, how much worth it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've met a lot of families along the way and these kids are just amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And, and their, their outlook on everything and they just smile and they are just, it really puts a lot into perspective. And I think that it's made me, it's made me a more calm and better person. As you realize you can't sweat the small stuff or the big stuff like missing your plane on your way to <laughs> your 84th and 85th marathon. 
<laughs> I think you definitely learn how to manage that kind of stuff without freaking out. And that's important. Yeah, and I think also it's good to also, at some point also let it out too, you know, like know that things are not going to go your way, but you just got to keep moving forward, you know, oh, yeah. with that mindset. And I think, um, yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, I think I just got into the point where it's like, you know what? It happened. What can you do about it? You can't control it. You can't change it. It's in the past. All you can do is move forward one step at a time. It's like running, you know, one step at a time, moving forward. As long as you're moving forward, even if you're walking, crawling, jogging, running, I don't know, it doesn't matter. You're just moving forward little by little. And I, I think that's how I see. I see my life in a marathon. I see it like, you know, sometimes you're going to be uphill. Sometimes you're going to be downhills. Sometimes you're going to be at the peak. You're feeling amazing. And sometimes it's just going to be like, when is this over? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, definitely. I think everybody I've spoken to, too, kind of feels like running is the metaphor for life. Yeah. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And there's definitely going to be challenges along the way. But it, it's about finishing, right? Finishing what you started, um, finding, it's not always going to be easy, but finding a way to get there. Yeah, basically. Well, thank you so much for talking. It's yeah, anytime. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you and I'd love to talk again, you know, as your journey progresses and yeah, let me know. Maybe, uh, maybe your October 17th is open and we can we can meet up at the New Jersey Marathon, maybe run the 5K before, the day before. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to just check. I mean, it's October, so I'm like, it doesn't seem like I have anything. I have something October 11th, I believe, or the week prior. Okay. Um, but I'm like, the 17th doesn't ring a bell. So All right. Yeah, we'll see. Cool. Who knows? I might be there. Definitely. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for chatting, and we'll talk again. Thank you, Sonia. Appreciate you. Thank you. As always, thank you for listening. I hope that you'll continue following Jocelyn's journey. I'll put all her social media information in the show notes. She's so close to getting to her 100 marathons, and I'm so excited for her. I'm so excited to see how all of this unfolds. As always, like what you hear, let me know. Leave me a comment, send me a message. Want to hear something different or want to chat? Also, leave me a comment, send me a message. I would love to hear from you. And until next time.